Welcome to the Free Life Agents Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a lifestyle they never need a vacation from. Here's your host, Kobe Zen. All right, guys, welcome back to the Free Life Agents Podcast. So today we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about real estate marketing strategy and some of the journey uh, and the, uh, you know, the failures and the successes that come with being an entrepreneur as well. So I have a really special guest today, uh, once again, from a, a foreign country. Again, like, like I said, I like to um, offer and bring on guests from places around the world, just so that we can learn from each other um, and get different perspectives on different things as well, and also find commonalities as well. So to do, I want to bring on my guest today. She is a rock star real estate agent in the Philippines, Alex Zeta. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hi, hi, Kobe. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for the listeners who are listening that might not know, um, your story or don't know who you are, you know, would you just, uh, mind kind of introducing yourself a little bit and, uh, giving us a little bit of background on, uh, who you are and how you came into, you know, being in the, the industry, uh, that you are today. Okay. So, Hey everyone. So I'm Alex Zeta. I'm a real estate agent real estate broker based in the Philippines, specifically here in Cagayan de Oro. So I've been in this industry for the past 11 years now, and I actually just passed the board exam as a real estate consultant as well, because it might be different in your country, but here in the Philippines, we have three different types of real estate professions. So you can be a real estate broker, a real estate appraiser, and a real estate consultant. So the consultant is like the highest level in the real estate career because you have to have at least 10 years experience as a broker and five years experience as, or five years experience as an appraiser in order to be eligible to take the exam. So it's one of the requirements. So I also have a realty. Thank you. I also have a realty. It's, uh, the name is Truly Wealthy Realty. So it's been around for the past 10 years already. Wow. Wow. That's, that's awesome. So you've been in, the, in this industry for a long time. And um, clearly you're doing some great things as well. So just to kind of get us started off here, I mean, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, you do a lot of, uh, a lot of marketing and a lot of content marketing. So uh, do you want to kind of pick your brain a little bit on, you know, what is your, uh, your real estate marketing strategy and what are some of the ideas that come into your head when it comes to content marketing for real estate agents? Well, what I do heavily now is YouTube. So I'm a real estate vlogger. I started my vlog four years ago and I actually just did it because a lot of my clients were requesting for house tours. And so I wanted some place to post my videos that I wouldn't have to save it on my phone or on, for example, if I posted it on Facebook, it would be hard to search for later on. So I thought that YouTube was a very convenient way to store my videos and I would could just send the link to my clients. But actually what really started me to post my first video is Gary V. If you're familiar with him, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. So I, I listen a lot to his content. And like four years ago, he was saying that by year 2020, 80% of the content would be of, of, of the content consumed would be f- through video format. So if no matter how well you're doing in your career right now, you will become irrelevant in your industry if you don't do video or not necessarily only video, but all, mainly content creation. It can be through written or audio format like this podcast, for example. The thing is you just have to be present online because that's where the people are. So it was through listening to his videos like over and over again 
at the time I was listening to his videos like almost daily because whenever I would get in my car and drive and whenever I go to side tours I would listen to like audiobooks or like content from my favorite content creators like Gary Vee is one of them so that really pushed me to okay just jump in and start my channel But at the time, I was posting very erratically. I, w- I would just post, upload whenever I wanted to. So I didn't really have a fixed schedule. So that's why the growth of my channel was very slow at the time. And it picked up when I started doing YouTube seriously. That was like two years ago during the pandemic. So when the pandemic happened, we were all caught by surprise, right? Like nobody expected it to happen. And like overnight, things changed everything started like you had to do things differently you couldn't meet people face to face anymore like most of the transactions start uh, started getting shifted to being online even the developers here they also adapted instead of having to go to the office to close a transaction or make a reservation they shifted everything online so you could now reserve online which was not which was not available before before the pandemic so was my husband who pushed me to take YouTubing seriously. So he was like, okay, we need to like step up because right now we know that being online already works since I've been having my channel. At that time, I was two years in as a YouTuber. So I've, I've been getting, I was getting leads already, but not yet consistently because I wasn't also posting consistently at the time so my husband said okay we like we need to hire someone to edit because that was my main problem before like editing like i had no problem shooting content but when it would come to editing it would take me so long to edit and it's also it's not my strength so i just know how to do basic editing like i would use imovie or filmora but you need to you need to really know how to edit well if you want your videos to really you know reach the buyers reach the target market right because house tours now are like a different form of entertainment on youtube so we brought bought equipment we hired an editor and that's how my channel really improved right yeah and i mean that's that's awesome that you were um, kind of inspired by uh <laughs> by Gary V from a, you know, I think a lot of people are inspired by him to kind of yes. go out there and make content. And another one I think is, is a uh, Russell Brunson from, from click funnels. I think that's a, that's a big one. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but um, those two are usually the ones that it comes with the, you know, comes to content marketing. It will say that, you know, you, you need to go out there and, and do video content. It doesn't really matter, you know, in the beginning, but you just need to get yourself out there. I don't know, you know, what you're kind of you know, what your, what your thoughts on that are, you know, if, you know, you're starting over, you know, would you try to go out there and actually figure out how to do it the right way? Or would you do it the same way that you did? Like kind of, you mentioned that, you know, just posting some content sporadically, just get yourself out there, but, and then fixing it later, you know, as you start learning, because, you know, you know, time doesn't wait for you, right. You have to post content first and then fix it later on so that people actually, actually see the journey of, of your, your improvement. Yeah, I have a bias for action. So that's what I usually do, actually. I, whenever I want to do something, I like dive in and then do it first and then figure it out later. But my husband is the opposite. Like he wants to do things right the first time. So he usually does a lot of research and he makes this, okay, this is the process that we're going to follow. And then we do it. So I think we strike a good balance. Because if you move too fast, you'll make a lot of mistakes. But it's not to say that it's not okay to, it's, or it's wrong to make mistakes. 
But there's also an advantage of researching and doing things the right way. So it just needs balance. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things, right. Is that, you know, if you're going out there and posting content, um, you know, consistently, it's, it's one thing to do that, but it's also good to, you know, uh, consistently improve, right. You're not just posting the same level of content, you know, for, you know, five, 10, 25 years, then that wouldn't help at all. Right. We actually go in there and actually, uh, start improving it. That's when it starts, um, helping your marketing strategy. And then that's where the, uh, the consistent consistency really starts to kick in as well is once you start improving it, you get 1% better every day or every time you post a piece of content, then that's really where you kind of go out there and, um, and see the, the fruits of your labor. Right. Yes. Yes. I agree. And I think when you do something on a regular basis, like for example, I post content three, four, four times a week. So you have, you, you really improve because you do it like day in and day out regularly. So it, it's part of your growth as a content creator and as a person. And that's what we like to do. Like we really want to push ourselves, like my husband and I we want to push ourselves and to improve in, in everything that we do, whether it's content creation or being entrepreneurs or in being parents or in taking care of our health and working out. You know, we like to just push ourselves to like to improve just 1% every day will be like how much improvement like a year from now. Right. Exactly. Uh, I think, I think, I think it's, a, it's a, it's a mindset. No, yeah, definitely. It's definitely in a mindset. And I think it, it, you know, you bring that up is a really good point because I think I remember watching one of your videos um, as well. And I think you, you guys ran multiple businesses, right. Especially before the pandemic. And um, one of the, one of the things you were talking about is, you know, benefiting from some of the failures that you've had, you know, with juggling so many businesses and then, you know, unforeseen circumstances, uh, you know, hitting, hitting as well. So, you know, you know, if you wouldn't mind kind of walking us through, you know, how you guys were able to, to come through that and how you guys were able to overcome, you know, those, those challenges as well. And, you know, how that made you guys better as, as entrepreneurs now as you're doing what you're doing now. Yeah. So what happened was the real estate business. So this was actually my first business, which I started with my partners way before I met my husband. And then when we met, I think six years ago, he, since he's an IT graduate, he wanted to put up like a computer cafe. So I was like, okay, I'll support you. And that's what we did. We put up our first computer cafe and it did okay. We put up our second branch and then our third branch. And then we had to close the first one because the place wasn't for rent anymore. So we had two branches running. And then we added also a coffee shop with the second branch because we wanted to like integrate the two businesses because of course the gamers, they like to eat a lot. So at least if there's a coffee shop nearby, we would still earn from you know, their consumption and it would be convenient for them since they wouldn't have to go out to buy food. So they could just buy food, drinks, coffee. So that's what we did. But our challenge was, so we had a real estate business like the brokerage and then the computer cafe and the coffee shop. Our challenge was the three businesses were very different. So there was no synergy. And that's one of the lessons that we learned. Like if you want to put up multiple businesses, it's okay. But the first thing that you have to do is to really stabilize like the first business and build the other businesses around it. So your businesses would have synergy and you would be able to maximize resources as well. So since the three businesses were so different, like my husband had to focus on running the computer cafe. We had partners for the coffee shop. So he was in charge of that. 
And then I was the one doing the doing real estate full time. So our business our our because the businesses were so different, our efforts were like so scattered. We had each to focus on like different businesses. And then of course COVID came and then we had to close down because that was what the government had us do. Because at the time, I think it was March 20 of or March 15, or March 20 of 2020, the government was like, okay, there's COVID. Every, everybody has to close down except for the essentials, like the food. So we had to close down for a month. And then they, they allowed us to reopen on May 20 of 2020. But at that time, we had already decided not to continue because when we computed it, we were, we were like, okay, COVID is going to continue on for like the situation is going to continue on for at least two years and so if we are going to continue the best case scenario would be to break even so we didn't not to be the best best case scenario probably we would be in the red so we're like okay we need to close it down because even if we don't want to that's what the situation demands so we decided to okay just close down the computer cafe and also the coffee shop and to just sell our assets we were lucky to actually find a renter for for the first computer shop we sold all the, the assets there for the second one which was the newer one we had actually just operated for one year so we found someone to rent the bpo to rent all the the pcs so even though it was a hard decision to do it. We were able to survive and even like pay off all our payables. So God was really, you know, he, God's grace really sustained us. He really guided us in making the right decisions. And at least we, we did not, you know, we didn't go bankrupt because we were really in danger of becoming bankrupt at the time. It was like, oh no, we're going to lose everything that we invested in because we invested a lot for the for the coffee shop and the the businesses i mean the the gaming cafe so it's a good thing that we were able to like you know be okay after everything yeah no definitely i think that's a that's a wonderful story that you guys um you guys have right now in terms of you know overcoming these some of these challenges as well so i think you know one of the questions that i had and i think most people will want to like want to wonder as well is you know, going into some of these decisions, right? Like you said, you guys invested a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of money and I'm sure um, a lot of, you know, even more than that, you know, I think more, what, you know, most people actually think about is not just the money they've invested up front, but the actual sweat equity, right? The, the work they've put in to build those businesses, right? That's going to be, I think, even harder to let go than, you know, maybe some of the monetary or financial investments. So for you guys, you know, kind of making that decision, you know, is it, you know, when, when do you guys kind of realize that, you know, sometimes it's okay because, you hear all the time entrepreneurship space that you know you shouldn't quit you should just push through the failures but for you guys you know what do you think was the tipping point where you guys, you know, essentially it's okay to it's okay to quit and that it's okay to actually go in and um you know maybe maybe start over or, or you know let let this one go and then take take the take the failure but just take it as a take it as a lesson instead well I think the world is has conditioned us to view quitting as a bad thing, but it's actually not a bad thing. Winners should also know, winners become winners because they know when to quit. So it's not always about yeah. not quitting. It's also knowing when to quit because I've quit a, a lot of things in my life before I discovered like that I love real estate and this is where I stuck at, you know. But when I tried like 
different things before finding real estate is like okay i'm gonna try this i don't like it quit and then move on so i think it also takes like wisdom to know when to quit and the things that i've tried i didn't really take a long time before i figured out that it's not for me like some of the things that i tried was i only tried it for like between three to six months usually less than a year and then you'll know that it's not for you and then it's okay to quit and move on so when it comes to business it's really failure is part of business so you don't need to view it as something that's it's something that's you know negative but more of as a learning experience so if you see that it's not for you and then like for example for the computer shop we, we could see that long term it would not really work out because of the situation i mean it's, it was no one's fault right like no one wanted the pandemic to happen so we, we could not blame anybody and we didn't blame ourselves as well because we did everything to make it work but it just didn't work so you just have to we just had to cut our losses and move on and actually the good thing the silver lining that came out of it was my husband and i we went full time with real estate and because we worked at it together real estate and youtube so that was when youtube was born my channel was like reborn as well so when we went full time with youtube and with real estate the business really we were really able to break through like we like broke through with our sales in 2020 and it just it climbed higher in 2021 and even now in 2022 so it's really an advantage if you know a couples married couples can work together because it has worked well with us because our personalities are so different our strengths and weaknesses they complement each other so when we chose to work together that's when we were able to break through with our sales in real estate so we know when one door closes a window opens that really happened with us and we were able to even like get back like the monthly income that we, we had with our previous businesses we were able to get it back and even more with the real estate industry because we worked together yeah exactly and i think that's that goes back to something you mentioned as well which is you know focusing on, on one thing, right? Focusing on one thing at a time. And I, I don't know, maybe that's the same experience that you had um, as well. Maybe you can kind of share that as well. But, you know, in terms of running, I think you were running like two or three different businesses at the same time, right? I mean, obviously it's, it's good to grow and it's good to kind of know when, when you're growing, but it's also sometimes, you know, it's better to almost slow down, right? And then focus a little bit more on, on one side and as that branch grows, right? As that branch kind of stabilizes, then it's okay to kind of branch out to other other businesses as well. So, I mean, is that kind of like your experience now? Is that uh, what you learned from that? Um, you know, what ha what's happened in the, through the pandemic? Yes, coming out of that experience, we decided actually to not venture into other businesses in the meantime, unless it's connected with real estate. So moving forward, we want our future businesses to have synergy. So since we are already in the real estate industry and by God's grace, we're doing well. So we want to stick with this industry and then build businesses around it because this is a huge industry. There are still a lot of things to do. There are so many ways that you can earn, especially here in the Philippines where the real estate industry just got professionalized like 10 years ago. It's still a very young industry and there's so much room to grow. And like in the U.S., the U.S. has one of the most mature real estate markets in the world. So in the Philippines, there's still so many things that you can do. So we're, we're right. really excited. Actually, one of the businesses that we're planning to start doing this year is to do build and sell. Since I'm a broker, 
we can like just we are we already i already know the market i know what my clients want what the price competitive price points are so we just we already have a, a lot so we're planning to build a house on that and then sell it and then keep doing it right yeah and i think that's that's awesome that you guys have, have chosen an industry right and i love what you said about that it's a you know it's a like it's a younger it's a newer industry um in your your current market right so it hasn't it hasn't necessarily peaked it hasn't like you said it hasn't matured like it might have in some other markets or even you know be on the decline right i don't think most most markets in europe are, are almost on on the decline i could be wrong on that but i think that's that's the case so um, that's that's another great thing. It's like choosing, you know, choosing the industry in, in business and knowing what to, to do, right? Because you you might be in a in the prime of your career, in the prime of your, your skills, but you might be, you know, choosing the wrong industry, right? They might be choosing like, I don't know, brick and brick and some kind of brick and mortar or, or you know, paper business, right? Like like that's that could be on the decline. But um in any case, uh, I do want to kind of like dig into what you're saying that what you guys are looking to do next, right? So going into the development phase, right? So I have a very limited knowledge when it comes to uh, when it comes to like international real estate laws and, and how how the market is in different countries. But I have heard some things or some different interviews I've done in the past. And from what I've known, I think, you know, there's some, you know, there's some I wouldn't say issues, but like like you say, it's a younger market in, in the Philippines. So there's there's definitely things that, you know, people need to figure out. And uh, there could be, uh, you know, people who are, you know, doing bad practices or, or whatever. So how are you guys kind of looking to, to pivot around that and to separate yourself in terms of, you know, going into the development phase, which I think it's, it's definitely, definitely more strict than uh, just selling real estate. And then it takes a lot more, a lot more financial, a lot more financial backing as well when it comes to actually getting that business off the ground. Cause it's, it's, it's an additional step from, from just sales. Yes, that's right. We actually have a partner who is already a contractor so we're going to partner with him to build a house on the lot that we own. So it's going to be on the construction side. And once it's done, then I'll be the one in charge of selling it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to conceptualizing the design and the floor, well, the floor plan, we already hired an architect, an interior designer to do that for us. So that's, that's basically the team. So when it comes to build and sell, you just you need the, the right team to, and once you have the right people in place, then you can execute it. So you need uh, an architect, a contractor, an interior designer, and then a real estate broker. So you need so those are the four like professionals that you need to execute the build and sell business successfully from start to finish. Yeah. And I mean, I think from a, a theme that I've heard from, you know, what you've said about, you know, your past businesses and what you're doing now and what you're going to be doing in the future as well is that you, you like to work with a lot of, a lot of partners, right? You like to work with a good team. And I think um, my question is, you know, do you think that's something that's really vital to entrepreneurs is finding good partners? Do you think that's the most important thing is, uh, you know, in business is finding the right partners to work with because, you know, we can only do so much on our own, but when we we partner ourselves up with other people who are specialized in other industries or other other aspects of the industry it can really help us do a lot more yes absolutely when it comes to being successful successful in business you need to find the right people because you you are very we are very limited like even if we have a specialty it's only in this one area but what about the others there are so many aspects of building a business and executing it well so you really need people to do the, those other parts as well so you need a team 
especially if you want to grow bigger. So like there's one of, one of my favorite quotes is that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, lead a team. Right, exactly. And um, is, is, I mean, is that something that you're doing right now in your, your, current, uh, your current real estate sales business? Um, are you, you're currently, you know, obviously you have your own company, so you can't be possibly just working on your own. So, I mean, when it comes to being a leader, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of team are you, are you leading now? And, um, you know, how are you kind of transitioning into that, that leadership role? And what, what are you kind of seeing in terms of the differences between, you know, individual success as an entrepreneur, and then, you know, being, uh, you know, like you said, you know, leading a team, you know, going, going, going further. Yeah. So currently for the past few years, the way that I earned was mostly through my sales. So it's just recently that we decided that we need to build the reality as a business. So what we're doing now is we're strengthening the back end. So we hired an accounting staff. We hired um, a licensed officer. Like we hired people to be part of the realty, to focus on the back end. So we have an accounting consultant, an HR consultant, like people who we can like trust and turn to for advice and who can also execute on in their parts to support the team. Because if you, we want to grow the realty, we need to strengthen the back end. So once the back end is there, the system is in place, then the realty can really fly. The easy part is actually recruiting people, but you have to solidify the back end first before we can really start actively inviting people in the brokerage. We already have people, but we only have a handful of agents. That's why we are working on strengthening the back end this year so that we can start inviting more people to be part of the team. Right. And I think you mentioned something interesting there is that, you know, kind of knowing the systems is, you know, that's the, well, I wouldn't say the easy part, but like, that's, that's the part where most people can get, right. It was knowing what parts to outsource, knowing what parts that you need to, that knowing that you need to scale a team, you need more people, right. That's, that's, that's pretty much the, 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 the easy part, right. You, you know, you need more people in order to, in order to grow. I think that's, that's something that everybody can, can real can get on board with. But I think, um, a, a part of it that you, you know people don't really talk about is what you mentioned as well is that you know actually getting people to to work with you right it's the recruiting people to to work with your company and i don't think there's enough there's enough information i guess out there for um you know because it's it's a totally different kind of sales right it's it's still a because you're convincing somebody to try to do something for you or with you but you're not you're not necessarily selling them uh, a, a product or a service for a price. So when it comes to like, you know, some of the things that you've been doing and you've been learning when it comes to, you know, recruiting, you know, what has kind of came to mind when it comes to what, what, you know, some of the things that, you know, you've learned from your sales that could be applied and some of the things that are a little bit different that you're, you're still learning now in terms of, you know, mastering that skill set. You mean in terms of recruiting people? Right. Yeah. In terms of, uh, you know, recruiting people to work with your company, because I, I really don't think there's enough information out there, um, you know, t- teaching entrepreneurs how to do that. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's not so much as really convincing them, but just showing them that the opportunity is here and it's up to mm-hmm. you if you want it. You know, you have to also show them what they can get. So, for example, if you are living the life that they want, you can just talk to them about the life that you have, what you are enjoying, the benefits of being a real estate broker. Like one of the things that I love the most about this industry, this business is that I have time freedom. Like I can schedule my work around my play, you know, versus the other way around. Like if I were employed, I couldn't just go on vacation immediately. I would have to apply for a leave. 
But since I control my own time, I can really set the schedules that I want to set. Like I can do, okay, this is family time or this is work time. I'm going to go on vacation next month. And no, one, and no one's going to say anything about it because I, can, I control my own schedule. So time freedom is one of the things that I love about it. And then the second is unlimited potential income. With sales, it truly is unlimited, right? It just depends on you. So you can set your own limit. So these are the things that I usually talk about when I tell people about real estate. And then if they like the opportunity, then they can join the team. Right. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you said that, right? You're not necessarily, um, it's the same applies to sales as well, right? You're not trying to necessarily convince somebody to do something, um, but, but you're giving, you're giving them a motive, right? So that's a little bit different, right? You're, you're kind of showing them what you already have and the opportunity that it can provide and then letting them make the decision. Cause that's, I think that's so much stronger than you forcing somebody or not, not forcing, but bending their arm to do something. Right. Yes. And sales is not for everybody. Right. You know, some people don't like it. So you can't convince them if they don't like it. So they're just going to do their own thing, right? But there are people who love sales, who love talking to people. So those are the people that you must reach. But I think sales yeah. in general, whether it's in recruiting people, inviting them to your team or selling a property, the principles are the same. I haven't actually started recruiting actively yet. So the people who are in my team, they volunteer to join. They're like, let me join your team. So I haven't like really invited someone yet because back then when we started the realty we didn't know anything you know we're like we we were very new at the industry and so we were still learning the ropes so that's why i did not actively invite because since we were also new to the industry we knew that okay we still have to learn it before we can teach it so actually it's just only this year that i feel ready okay i can actually mentor I can start mentoring and teaching my agents also how to sell. And I've, I've started doing it with the existing agents that I have. So this year, I will start recruiting, actively recruiting other agents. So once I start actively recruiting, I'll update you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love to, I love to hear from that and, uh, and uh, you know, see, see what your progress is. Cause that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things that I, I've been doing here in, in the States as well is, you know, getting agents to, to join the team. So I've started so how, team. how do you do it? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say, you know, that's, you know, I think what you said was awesome as well is just showing them the, the opportunity. Right. And then kind of going in and um, not forcing somebody to join. So some of the things that I do is just, I, I look for people that are looking for us, right? Like you said, one of the, one of the things that you guys did was, you know, the agents that are working with you right now are, um, they, they asked you, right. They asked you to, to they invited themselves, like you said, to, to work with you. So those, that's actually what, you know, the strategy that we do, we're just putting out information um, out there for people to find through, you know, I think you know, you're obviously familiar with SEO strategies and then, you know, just how many putting people, in, how many people do you have in your brokerage? Uh, I currently have, um, I currently have a team of 33, 33 agents. So I currently have a team, 33 agents, and um, I don't own my own brokerage. So it's a, it's a team that I have. So under, the brokerage uh, under... is a big brokerage since you alone have 30, 33 agents. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty big brokerage. How, how about the entire brokerage, like more or less? How many people are part of the brokerage? I mean, right, so... aside from your team. 
Yeah, so we're we're a, like a national brand. So um, we're we're pretty compatible to brands like you know in the Philippines like Keller Williams or, or Remax. So uh, our entire brokerage has close to eighty two thousand agents around the world right now. So it's a it's more of a national brand uh, per se. So, so out it, of that, it, it, it's similar to like Remax. The, the business is a franchise model. No, it's actually not a franchise model. So it's um, it's it's a little bit different than that. And um, we're a cloud-based brokerage model, so um, it's actually very team friendly. So we're actually very team friendly for uh, for me to actually go out there and uh, and build a team very easily. So it actually gives us the tools to nice. in order to do that. So yeah, so we're um, out of eighty-two thousand agents. Um, we're currently a, a strong team of of thirty-three. <laughs> That's great. That's actually a lot of agents already. So. How's the market so far and how are your 33 agents performing? Like what percentage is bringing are bringing deals on a regular basis? Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things, right? When it comes to a lot of volume of agents, especially is that, you know, a lot of the agents that we work with are transitioning from their current day jobs into being full-time real estate agents. And, you know, like, like, you know, I don't know, maybe real estate's a little bit, um, a little bit faster, uh, in other other countries, but in the states, it can be a little bit slower to get going. So, right now, I think out of the thirty three agents, um, we have pretty consistent production from about uh, ten. about five, yeah, about five uh, to ten five agents. To ten. Five to ten agents. Uh, Actually, that's about that's about right. Like when it comes to sales, whether it's in real estate or insurance, usually one third of your sales force are the ones that perform. That's why you have to right. recruit a lot. <laughs> but not only volume is important but also the the quality of your agents like you don't right you don't just recruit some random person you need to recruit someone who's really interested because you'll still be pouring time and energy in every agent that you invite right exactly and i think i think that's the i think that's the the point that i'm, I'm learning as well when it comes to to recruiting agents and then bringing agents uh to work with as well is instead of volume, you know, maybe focus a little bit more, putting a little bit more energy on quality uh, instead. So not, not to say that the agents in Ontario aren't quality. I mean, they, they really are. A lot of them are, are working two jobs right now. Uh, when we say quality, what we mean by that is not the person, but more on the level of interest that the person has. You know, that's exactly. what we mean by quality because a quality agent means an agent who's going to make it work even though how many jobs they have, they will find the time to make it work because they're genuinely interested. No, exactly. No, I think that's, that's exactly it. No, no, that's, that's, yeah. that's perfectly said. And, um, you know, it, it's not really up to like, it's not really up to me. I feel, I feel like to decide whether somebody's going to succeed or not, if that makes sense. So it's, it's yes. not really up to, to, to see somebody's it's really, quality. It's really, it's really up to the, the person. Right. But what, what system do you use? You have your own app, like the, the Realty has its own app so you can monitor all the agents and all the deals yes. that they're closing. Yeah, yeah. So we have that in our, in our office, uh, our back office through the company. So we all have our own back office to monitor all of our agents, uh, the transactions that they're doing. And then also essentially, you know, the commission size that they're earning as well. So it's, it actually gets pretty detailed uh, all the way up until, you know, well, when the closing date was and then when the settlement date was and then when, when they're getting paid as well. So it actually gets pretty detailed. So that's how we're, we're tracking them on the back end. And then on the front end, it's kind of up to us individually um, how we want to uh, invite and attract agents to, to work with us uh, on an individual basis. So what we've done is we've kind of, like I said, we put ourselves out there. We don't try to go out there and uh, 
procure conversations, if that makes sense. So we don't try to uh, start conversations in a way where uh, somebody might be completely turned off and they don't they don't want to have a conversation with us. So it's like, always so somebody who's for, for example, like if I'm I'm your one of your agents and then I have a house that goes into contract. So I'm the the agent is the one responsible for inputting the details of the transaction in the app. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's up to the agents to so it the way that um the way that you know real estate kind of works in the in the States is that you know the agent has works under a broker and then the broker is the person that are necessarily legally responsible for how the agent um whether they make a mistake or not essentially and it's then, the so, same yeah. here yeah similar yeah right yeah but, so, but what what we lack here though is the technology because mm -hmm. we're currently developing our an app that can help the back end because there's no app right so you have to be the one to do it right. and like with other countries there are a lot of apps that the brokerage can use already but there's no app that fits the Philippine real estate market, especially with accounting, right? For, for example, if you mm -hmm. close on a developer-owned listing, the commission is not immediate. Like sometimes it takes years before you receive it. Is it the same there? Uh, years? Did I hear that right? Yeah, yes, years. Because some projects here are pre-selling. So that means they start selling, a pro the, for example, a condo that will take four years mm -hmm. to complete. They will start, the developer will start selling it like right now. And then after it's completed, that's when you will receive the entire or like most of the broker's fee or the commission. Oh, so you're talking about like um like like pre-sale, right? Pre-construction. Yeah, pre-construction. Yes. Is it the same so, there? Yes, yes, it is. So in terms of pre-construction, that that's very, yeah, that's very similar how we do things here is that you don't necessarily get the full commission payment until the the buyers get to move into the, the move into the house right sometimes it's done in pieces or like you know you get thirty three percent when it's halfway yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's right. similar it's it's done in installment right yeah, like installments that. that's the that's the word yeah payment yeah. installments but no that's that is very similar um but I don't know if it takes um usually that's about one year uh, depending on uh when the when the construction process is if they really slow it down possibly two years, but usually we've seen the longest was about a year out from, from construction. That's house and lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with house and lot, it's similar, like one to two years, but with condominiums, they take longer. Right. They take yeah, longer to, because it, they take longer to build and finish. So you have your own accounting system. Yeah, and also exactly. a system to monitor your agents. Like, for example, if you have a new agent, you add him to the mm -hmm. system. Do you have to pay for to use the system or that comes with being part of the realty? No. So that comes with being part of the brokerage, right? So I don't know how it kind of works in um, in, in the Philippines with uh, like, but you probably have to pay like a, like a fee to be with the brokerage, um, a certain brand, but that's what we do. So we pay a monthly fee with our brokerage and then, with that, we get all of the access to all the tools that I, I was just talking about. So back office management, tracking agents, um, we don't have to pay anything additional for that, essentially. Mm. So there's like a fixed fee for being part of the brokerage. Right. Yeah, there's a fixed fee. So that's that's one of the models that uh, that works in, in the States. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, usually the brokerages here in the Philippines are only have a few agents because it's hard to scale unless you have a good system in place. 
there are only a very few number of realties that has have been able to scale because they have their own system. Really? Okay. Yeah. So um, I had a, I actually had a question about that because um, I remember talking uh, I was talking to another another agent um, in the Philippines and they they're mentioning to me that you know the the broker or the uh, I guess it's a, there's maybe a different term for it but the the it manager right the broker yeah, okay. yeah the managing broker so kind of like the position that you will be in. Um, can only manage up to five to five agents. Is that, is that, uh, am I, am I right on that? Or is that maybe you can clear that up for us? For well, the it's, here. it's actually in the real estate service act that one mm. broker can have a, a total, a maximum number of 20 accredited salespersons. Oh, okay. 20. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there's a limit. So that's one of the things that brokers now, especially the, you know, the bigger brokerages in the Philippines are, mm -hmm. are asking the government to change because it's very limited. I mean, 20 is such a small number, right? Like, what if I'm a broker that can manage 1,000? I mean, there's right. no cap on the number of agents that an insurance manager can have. And it's yeah. the same. We're both in sales, just a different product. So right. that's one of the challenges now here in the Philippines in growing as a realty because one broker can have like only 20 accredited agents and you have to be an accredited agent in order to practice. Otherwise they would be penalized. Like if you don't practice yeah. without a license. So right. I hope they change that in the future. So, you know, we can grow faster. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. So, I mean, I've never really thought about that um, kind of implying, uh, um, but yeah, I think that really kind of throws a wrench into scalability of a, of a brokerage but in there in the u.s there's no limit to the number of agents that a broker or a brokerage can handle right yeah there's no limit yeah so we, we've seen yeah multiple like hundreds and maybe even thousands uh, at a time for a certain for one broker can manage that up to that many agents now feasibility wise you know can can they actually do that you know do they have to hire on staff that's a different that's a different conversation right many times they do have yeah. to hire hire staff to, to actually be able to you will need uh, staff to like handle a thousand people right <laughs> exactly so i mean how, how are you guys kind of pivoting away from that right like like how, how are you guys able to grow as for at least from the you know maybe you can tell talk a little bit more on you know what you're planning to do in the future like your vision or some of the things that you've seen bigger brokerages in the philippines have done to pivot around that rule of when one broker only being able to manage 20 salespeople. You need to invite a lot of brokers. <laughs> so you, you have That's agents to accredit under them because there are actually a lot of brokers that are not actively practicing, mm -hmm. but they still have their license. So you can invite them to the realty. Even if they're not actively practicing, you can accredit your, your realty's agents under that broker. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's actually not a, you know, that's actually a pretty good strategy, like a workaround, right? You're getting people to, so that way you're actually growing in a, in a phase where you can, you can grow exponentially more, right? Cause you, you're building leaders now, right? Is, is that yes. kind of how you guys are looking at it where you need to bring somebody on and train them to be a leader as well so that they can actually help you scale versus, you know, somebody, you know, maybe in the States, they don't do that. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're the only person managing like hundred to 200 agents. Really? Yeah. But, yeah, we've seen but that. For, but for example, if you, like, you're an agent and then you get other agents under you, 
the agents that are under you, if they invite another person, they will be the one to handle that person. So they can, your agents can basically build their own team. Is that how it works? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, yes, that's how it works for, at least for my team, how, how it works for uh, our, our brokerage as a whole. Um, that's not necessarily how it works everywhere uh, in the States. Um, a lot of teams do that because they want to outsource they want to outsource that management uh, to team leaders. And, you know, like I said, like a, one broker can't possibly handle. So the know, one two. who invited you is a broker. So you're under the management of a broker or another agent. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm under, um, I'm under another agent. So in the States, what you can do is that, you know, because there's no, there's no limit on a, you know, how many agents a, a broker can work with, you know, agents themselves can start teams without being, accredited as a broker if that makes sense yeah. so we don't have we don't necessarily have that process in between so it makes mm -hmm. it a little bit easier to grow um, because you don't need to go in and get a second certification so for example if you invite another agent and then that person invites another person like do you and then that third person gets a sale so do you get an override from the invite of your agent yes or no yes we we do the way that our team works does mm -hmm. so like up to how many levels is that override? Yeah, so for our brokerage, we go up to seven levels. Uh, seven wow. levels override, so feasibility-wise. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's why yeah. you're able to grow, because of that leveling system. Right, no, exactly. That's that's the reason why we're able to grow, and that's why I thought the, uh, the strategy that you guys have uh, in the Philippines as well with, you know, having a broker of, uh, you know, inviting other brokers to join so they can grow quicker is, is almost in a way similar, right? We're, except, you know, we're not limited by, uh, by the, um, by the accreditation of it. And in the legal side, we're just limited by how fast we can grow essentially. So it, with, with the override system in place, it's actually really easy for, uh, you know, someone like myself who's not been in the industry for as long as, you know, somebody else has to, to be able to grow as, as quickly as I have been. So that, that's really a blessing that I, I've been able to, to have as well. Yeah. Okay. How about your listings? Like, how do you manage it? You have your own, the brokerage has its own app as well, where you input all your listings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we have, um, <laughs> just, just, just turning into a, a different kind of conversation here, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we are, uh, we, we do, we do have a, uh, we do have a listing system for, um, for all of our, uh, our agents as well. So we use um, we actually use two different systems, one for uh, the United States and Canada. Uh, it's called, uh, it's a platform called KB Core. It's exclusive, I believe, to North America uh, at the moment. Um, and then that's our, our listing managing system where it's able to help, uh, essentially help get, you know, all, all of the uh, all listings onto a multiple listing service, which is uh, one of the, one of the kind of like the more unique things that we have in the real estate industry, the, in the, at least in North America. I know in Canada and in the United States, we have that. It's just in every area, we actually have a, it's a nonprofit uh, service where um, it's created by the realtor board. It's almost like a union, but with all of the real estate agents in, in the country. And then what they do is they will just distribute that listing to many different platforms. So that's what it's called, a multiple listing, multiple listing service. So every real estate agent uses that in, in North America. And then we have a system that does that as well. But you know, in some of the other countries that we're operating in that don't have that system, we actually have our own listing service 
um, through a platform called Rep. Um, I believe it's it's um, it's an acronym for real estate platform. You know, pretty easy to remember. <laughs> real yes. estate platform. But <laughs> it's owned race. by your brokerage, or is that an outsourced platform? That's an outsourced platform. So we we don't have a proprietary a proprietary uh, CRM slash listing platform per se because because of the well, at least in the states, I know it's, it's a fact that a lot of agents like to move around, right? A lot of agents like to you know jump from brokerage to brokerage depending on what part they are in their career. And one of the issues that they've ran into in the past is they've actually um, not been able to keep some of the leads that they have, right? They don't keep their listings. And they can't keep the contact information of the uh, potential clients they have because they used the platform that was proprietary to their brokerage. Um, and they were stuck there until all the sales were, were completed, all the transactions were closed. So we decided can't, not can't to. You, like, can't you store those information in your phone so you can still contact your client even if you're not with the same brokerage? You can. Um, so there's there's two, there's two, usually two problems with that. One is um, sometimes you would need to sign a it's stated in the independent contractors agreement that you sign with the brokerage for the time being that they actually own the leads. That's a big red flag. Um, the second one is uh, because the broker also has the information, they're just going to compete with you uh, because um, so you might've done all the marketing, spend all the money on marketing to pr procure all the information, but the broker, because they also have access to the information yeah. will, uh, will, will compete with you we'll for, for the sale. We'll later on. <laughs> Right, exactly. If you so if you leave the brokerage, is it the same with your brokerage? No, it's not. So, like like I said, because we don't want to do that, we have we have outsourced systems for that. So we we don't actually the broker doesn't actually have access to that information. It's with a third party company. So KB Core is a third party real estate platform REP that we use for international countries. Um, uh, is also a, a third party company that is not proprietary to our to our company. So. Yeah, this is um, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> this is a kind of different conversation for it. But no, no, it's it's not. Okay, so it's what, not a, what other questions did you want to ask? <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I'm 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 just just kind of turned into a you interviewing me. But no, this is uh this is great. Um, no, but like, does that kind of I mean, that kind of made me curious that you're asking all these questions because I mean, is that something that you guys see as an issue in in the Philippines? Is that you know, are, are some of these things that I'm saying right now? Is that kind of like is that something that you wish you guys had in, in the in the current market? Or? Well, we don't really have like a lot of technology yet available mm -hmm. to, I mean, do, do you even have, like, I think in the U.S., everybody or most agents use a CRM. Right. But here in the Philippines, most agents don't use a CRM. Okay. <laughs> really? So how do you guys keep track of your, uh, how do you guys keep track of your, uh, your listings and your information? Well, we have our own like listing compilation within the realty. And then when it comes to clients, I have a way of storing that. It's like it's like a tool similar to a CRM, but it doesn't really have the functions that I want. That's why we're right. building our own app because I want like specific functions. But when I checked with the other CRMs, they, they didn't have what I want. So although I'm using one now to like just store all the information of my clients and their inquiries, which I can export later on. But yeah, that's why we're building the app right now so to have all the functionalities that i need because like since i've been practicing now for a long time i have like a lot of pain points as a real estate broker so that's what i told my husband because he's the it he's the he's the one in charge of building the apps right. it's like okay this is what i want these are my problems 
and then you should find a way to solve it. <laughs> so that's what he's doing with a team of web developers that he's handling. Like he's the one, because since he's also in the business, he sees what the pain points are. So that's what we're trying to solve with the app. Like we want to be able to sell more efficiently because mm-hmm. the it's really the back end that's like a big struggle right now here in the Philippines. Because if you can't have a strong back end, like I mentioned, you can't really grow fast. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't understand that. So like, is the back end of the uh, kind of like the back end side of the business that you guys are uh, kind of struggling with, and then I guess that the, was... the reality, yeah, the brokerage, like back end right. meaning support in terms of handling the listings and accounting right. and monitoring people, like the system that you mentioned that your brokerage already has. So that's what we don't yes. have yet, and that's what we are working on. Yeah, so you guys are working on an app. That's actually, yeah. that's pretty interesting, right? You guys are working on a, developing an app. So yes. I don't know. I don't know how much information you guys can kind of dig into that. I'm sure there's some some things you guys cannot reveal right now, but, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, through the process of, of working on an app, you know, how, how does that, you know, how do you even start working on an app right now uh, for somebody like me who's not very good with, with software? Well, we have uh, two developers. They're actually friends of my husband. They were classmates back in college, so they know how to code. So what they first did was to, like, they first need to, like, draw or, like, put a a vision board on what the app needs, what we want the app to have, what what needs we want, what problems we want to solve. And then once the developer is able to understand everything, so it's actually multiple meetings back and forth, once the developer understands the things that we want to happen, then they can start coding. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. So I've never, it's like, it's like, it's like building a house, you know, it's a lot of back and forth between the architect first and the homeowner. And then once the design is complete, the contractor can build it. Yeah. So you guys in the, I guess like my question is like, what stage are you guys in when it comes to the, the app building? Are you guys kind of near the, uh, development phase or uh we are planning to launch it this month wow very just close. the first just the first phase just the first phase okay. yeah yeah so that's actually very close so um love to love to hear more on that and uh keep me updated on um yeah, you know, how yeah, that goes do. <laughs> do you yeah. have facebook we can communicate via facebook messenger yes i do have i do have facebook yeah so um I'll, I'll, I'll find you on there. So, uh, I guess you, I guess you use, you use Facebook a little bit more. I use Facebook, both Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We yeah can, but we but can I use see. Facebook more for sales because a lot of my clients inquire through messenger. So I'm on there most of the time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's another, that's another good point, right? Like, um, one of the things I wanted to bring up, uh, is, uh, Different, different interview. But one of the things I wanted to bring up was uh, social media tips on social media marketing. So maybe we can kind of wrap it up with that, and then uh, and then after interview, we can we can definitely talk more on uh, on some of the things that we're doing with our brokerage that you would be interested in. But um, when it comes to social media marketing, right? You guys are uh, I wouldn't say I would say experts, right? You guys are, are very good at it. You guys are on there as well. So what are some tips that you have for you know some agents coming into the industry that you know you did? you know, when, when you were first starting out, you know, to, to get to the point where you are. So, you know, just to kind of wrap things up, right? So what are some things that you would tell or some advice that you would give a, a new agent coming to the industry? 
Well, there are so many social media platforms now, right? So if you're a new agent coming in, you will get overwhelmed, especially if you don't like you like to use it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you only like to check the feed and then you don't really post, you will get overwhelmed with all the available platforms that there are now. So my advice is to be on every platform, but focus first on one platform. So when I started, I signed up for all the platforms already, but I was really more active on Facebook since it's a, Facebook is a big thing here in the Philippines. Like everybody has Facebook, even like the 60 year olds have Facebook, you know, it's like a, the go-to app for communicating because of Facebook messenger. We often have group chats with our clients, with our family members, with our friends. So it's one of the main modes of communicating here in the Philippines, especially since there are a lot of, we have a lot of OFWs, right? Overseas Filipino workers. So I started, and then when I started, I I made a decision and a commitment to post every day. So before I became a broker, I didn't really post a lot. Like, you know, I'm too lazy to, I was too lazy to post. But then when you're in sales, you have to be present. You have to be there. You have to be easy to find. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start with posting once a day about real estate. So not necessarily that you have to post houses for sale every day, but more on your activities. Okay, this is a new listing that I have, or I'm on a property tour with a client, or I'm having coffee with a client, you know, like just random stuff. It just You just have to like connect it to real estate so that people will get used to seeing you doing real estate activity every day, especially your friends on Facebook. And then when they have a listing or they want to buy something, then they will recall like, oh, she's a broker. So it's more of a, you become a top, you become top of mind, the top of mind broker because you're always posting regularly. And then from Facebook, I then started like branching out to the other social media platforms. Like usually whatever I upload on Facebook, I just upload that on Instagram as well and LinkedIn. Twitter is more popular with actually the kids here. So I I don't really use it a lot because most of my clients don't use Twitter. So I don't know, is Twitter big there? Uh, do, yes. do you use it a lot with business? No. So I, maybe, I've heard people use Twitter for business, um, but mostly there's kind of like celebrity status because Twitter is like such a casual, because I think there's even a character limit on, right? There's a character limit on Twitter. So it's not much yes. of a business platform versus just people sharing their random thoughts online. So for me, uh, no, I actually don't use Twitter. I, I don't use Twitter at all, but um, people like Gary Vee, Um, just because they're so big, yes. right? They're, they're also of, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't really use Twitter a lot, although I have an account. And so, yeah, I started po- posting with photos. But then when I started my YouTube channel, that's when I really started getting a lot of inquiries from OFWs. Right. Because when, you ha- when you're on YouTube, since it's a search engine, people can find you wherever they are, like all over the world, right? And like with Facebook, you can only see the posts of people who you are friends with and not even all your friends just like a small percentage of your friends who you actively connect with on the platform but with youtube when you research or when you search like for example houses for sale in Tagendi or since i'm based here so my channel will appear right so since it's a search engine it's a very effective marketing tool you just need to use like the proper hashtags and the proper titles and descriptions so people can easily find you what uh where are you based again what state uh texas houston texas yes texas so if you your podcast you can post your podcast actually on your channel do you have a channel that you post on 
Yeah, actually, uh, I do have a channel. Um, I just haven't gotten around to posting all the video content onto the channels yet. So I'm, I'm just starting now to post reels on Instagram. Next step will be to get it on YouTube as well. Yeah, reels is the short form content has blown up, especially yeah. during the pandemic. And it's a very effective marketing tool. So that's why I'm actually hiring another editor just to do my short form content. Yeah. So previously, I had two editors, but since the other one resigned already. So I have one main editor for my YouTube channel. And then I'm planning to hire another one to do the short form content. So Reels, uh, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, YouTube Shorts, TikTok. Yeah. So that's going to be the next big thing, especially TikTok. Like right now, TikTok is a huge platform. So we need to double down on TikTok because in like one or two years, it's going to mature and you're you're going to have a harder time getting big on the platform but right now it's still it's still like a fairly new platform so yeah and also i noticed like for example with my channel i don't really have a lot of subscribers yet i have like almost 5000 subscribers but with that um, that number of subscribers i'm getting a lot of close deals from my youtube channel so it's really interesting like if you're a professional you don't necessarily have to have such a huge subscriber base in order to have results from your channel because I'm closing deals monthly for via my YouTube channel. Just like last Monday, I closed three deals in Davao and all those inquiries I got from YouTube. Davao is a six hour, a city that's six hours away from Cagayan. So we expanded there just this year. So we are now in two markets because real estate is really local, right? Like, the market in, for example, Cagayan de Oro, the city where I'm, I'm based in, it's very different from the city that's like two hours away. So each market, I mean, each city has its own real estate market, which you need to like study because there's different, different number of people, different population, different projects. So Davao, it's six hours away from Cagayan de Oro, but it's very, very progressive. It's one of the three metro cities in the Philippines. So we have Metro Manila, Metro Cebu, and Metro Davao. It's also the biggest city in terms of land area. Yeah. I think the biggest city in the world. I'm not sure. In terms of land so, area? Yeah, I think so. Or at least here in the Philippines, it's the biggest city in terms of land area here in the Philippines. Yeah. Wow, well, that's... That's, you know, I think I got a lot of information from that as well, but really, I mean. You should it's... post your interviews on your YouTube channel. You know, like this interview, you just get the audio, post it on your podcast, and then the video, post it on your YouTube channel. I, I do that with my podcasts. Yeah. I don't really like heavily edit the podcasts, just <laughs> post everything. Maybe if there's like some dead air, I just cut it, have my editor cut it out, but like post the interview, like as is, no more subtitles because that takes so long. <laughs> yeah for a long interview <laughs> yeah subtitles no, even are my, even my even my short interviews like subtitles take too much time for now so when i have like more editors maybe i'll i'll, I'll do that later on yeah. it's really better if you have subs but best to like post more content right exactly and i i definitely will be uh We'll be getting around to that. So I think that's that's the very next step. I actually have it written down here on my pad. <laughs> I need to get my podcast onto YouTube because I have all the interviews, right? I have 21 interviews right now. You should post that. Like you should post all of your interviews. Why, why haven't right. you been posting your interviews? I mean, if you post it already on your podcast, why not just upload it on YouTube as well? Uh, 
I, I have a, a, a thought where I wanted to cut the interviews down smaller videos because um, that way people actually watch the, uh, the full video. If that well, makes sense. actually, so you, you can do that, but post it first and then you can cut it later on. Yeah. Because that's what I do with my YouTube shorts. Like I have like full videos that are, my videos are actually short. It's usually like eight to 10 minutes usually for my videos but my interviews are longer it's like 30 to 45 minutes some even like my i have a marketing podcast it goes like over an hour most of the time so i just post the entire thing on youtube it doesn't really get a lot of views but it's okay but the, the important thing is you post regularly on youtube and you have to post like on the same day every week mm -hmm. preferably right. like the same time because if you post sporadically that will damage the algorithm like i noticed right. if i'm not consistent with posting like i post four times a week so i have to post like on those days every week at like 6 p.m because if i miss for example posting i i my posting schedule is wednesday friday saturday and sunday so for example if for the two consecutive weeks i wasn't able to post on sunday i noticed my views drop and it's hard to get it back up it will take like a month for it to recover so that's why you have to yeah. be consistent. Even if you just post once a week, as long as you're consistent, that's okay. Yeah, I think I'm gonna start. I'm definitely gonna start doing that. And I do have a. I mean, <laughs> I don't wanna. I don't wanna take you know take too, take too, take this interview too long. But uh, in terms of <laughs> you know in terms of YouTube algorithms, right? So so if I if I were to post this right, post this interview, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the content inside right it's just the optimization of the title the tags and just and the description as well and that's what really kind of affects the rankings of the videos well the content does matter okay. but everything else around the content it matters as well because you can't post like a totally different content from all the titles and other stuff right right yeah <laughs> then the algorithm will, will notice that right for, through their their own transcriptions uh on youtube as well but well with youtube it's very similar to life you know it takes a lot of consistency for a long time, like one to two years of constantly posting. And then that's when you'll see results. Some people get lucky, like they blow up after a year, but others have been posting for four or five years before people even notice them. But for us, since we are like, like for my channel, it's super niche, like real estate and in Cagayan de Oro, like in the Philippines, in Mindanao, in Cagayan de Oro. So it's super niche. That's why when you look at my views, it doesn't seem like a lot, right? Like, for example, if one video has like 400 views, it might not seem a lot compared to like other influencers or other vloggers who get like millions of views, right? But the way that I see it is if I have 400 views, I have like 400 people watching my video. That's 400 buyers. You know, if you think about it that way, it will seem like, oh, that's a lot of people. Right. Instead of like handing out flyers at the mall, which used to be one of the strategies before when I started, like I did it like I think two or three times. This is not effective. You can't sell or at least I was never able to sell a property just handing out flyers. You know, online is better because it's like when you're online, you have a megaphone in your hand and you can reach more people and unlimited number of people. You're like your channel, my channel is there selling for me 24-7. It never rests, it never sleeps. So even when I have clients who are while I'm asleep, they're awake because the time zone is different, they're still watching my videos. So when I get the when I get leads from YouTube, they're usually like 
warm to hot leads. Like they already know what most, not all the time, but their clients already know what they want or they just want to, okay, I want to reserve this property because I've seen your videos because my videos are very specific. Like I make videos, I make project in focus videos about like the different projects in Cagayan de Oro and the different projects in Davao. So I put all the details there where it's located, like the specs, the price. So all the information is already there and then they can just make a decision. And if they haven't decided yet or if they're not, the buyer is not yet very clear on what they want because they don't really know the market, then I just send my other videos. So that's usually how I come up with content. And one of my friends asked me, you've been making content consistently for one year. Don't you run out of content? I was like, no, I do this every day for a living. How can I run out of content? I have so many clients asking me different questions. So if there are questions that get asked a lot, like frequently asked questions, I make content on that. So I don't have to explain again and again. Like for example, when I reserved, like when I closed those three condo units, last Monday for Davao Global Township, which is a project located in Davao. It's a, it's a new project. And then all my three clients asked me the same question. What is the reservation process of this developer? So I had to explain three times. So I was like, okay, I'll write a video. I mean, I'll write a script about this and I'm going to shoot this video today so that the next time that I'm going to reserve again at this project, because it's a big project, it's a six tower project. The next time I'm going to reserve, I'm going to send this video so that's YouTube for me. It's not only about marketing, but it's about making my sales process more efficient because the information is already there and it, it's more complete since I wrote everything down and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a sit-down vlog on it. So at least, at least it's complete. So the next time I have a client who likes this project, I'm going to send the video to them. They will know the entire reservation process. And then if they have additional questions, then I'm just going to answer those questions. So the time I was able to save with all because of all the videos that I made is a lot. Like instead of explaining the entire project to my client, which usually takes like 20 minutes for all the details of the project, to explain, especially if he, the client inquires on multiple projects, it will take me like 30 minutes to explain everything. And that's not even super comprehensive because I have to make, okay, parang summary na lang. I have to summarize it because it's too long because client is talking about multiple projects. So I make like a project in focus comprehensive vlog and then I just send it to them. So when they come back to me, they only have a few questions left that I just need to answer. So it saves me a lot of time and effort. Yeah, and it does. And I think that's that's the main theme when it comes to like video video marketing, right? It's just you're you're building that relationship beforehand. And then also something else that you said that I really liked was that um, you know, you're not necessarily caring about the views or the vanity numbers, how many subscribers you have, it's the results that you get. So it doesn't matter, like we're we're not in here to become celebrities. Um, it'd be great if you were, right? <laughs> I mean, or, or maybe not, depending on your goals, but you know, we're here for the results, for the actual results. So um, as long if you're getting results from the actual value that you're providing, then you're winning. So um, that was awesome. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for sharing and uh, for doing this interview, Alex. That was a lot of a uh, lot of information that you shared, and you know you actually got asked a lot of great questions from me as well. So that was, that was super interesting. But um, for for just for the listeners, man. Uh, so if there's they want to reach you, they want to find your channel. You know, just what are some places that you know you're you're pretty active on that somebody can you know find you or find some of the content that you've been doing. Well, my YouTube channel is Alex Zeta. It's just my name. And I have a Facebook page, Cagayan Alex Zeta. Facebook Messenger is the same. Alex Zeta Gingo on Messenger and 
uh, Instagram. And they can just email me, trulywealthyalex. So my email is also on the description box in my YouTube channel. So that's how my clients contact me. I have Viber, WhatsApp. So it's, it's easy to contact me. Yep. I'm, I'm well, online. <laughs> yep, yep, you are. And uh, I think everybody everybody else after listening to this interview will be, uh, will be as well. So Alex, thanks again. Uh, for doing this podcast and uh, for having this conversation. I, well, I learned a lot from you. and um, you Yeah, know, I learned a lot to... from you too. I think we went over like an hour already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's all good. I think uh, my podcast, usually I go about 45 minutes to over an hour. It's all good. I think people like to listen to conversations from beginning to end for the complete version of it. So uh, don't worry about it at all. I think the longer, the better. But Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this, Alex. And um, for you guys listening, if you guys found some value out of this, make sure to give it a like, a share, subscribe, and um, you know, share it to a friend who might uh, benefit from it as well. But thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the next show. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Free Life Agents Podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.freelifeagents.com. We'll see you next time.